We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It feels like Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Carlos Navas, and with me today is our 2K coach, also the founder of the Stream Beat Podcast, Frankie Garcia. What's up, what's up? See, I listen, when you want stuff, you know, I, I get accused a lot of time of not uh, of not being of the people, but look, you wanted to be introduced as Stream Beat co-founder, and here I am. I'm complying. You totally forgot, because you usually do the Stream Beat first, so. Did uh, I? I mean, I'm still getting used Yeah, you- <laughs> I got to be honest with you because I've I've hosted pregame show for the last week. I think Jack is returning tomorrow. Um I I was confused if that was a if that was just a pregame show bit or not and then I I was like calculating in my head. So that's what <laughs> nah. happened there. That was the, that was the speed bump that you heard. <laughs> okay, okay. Um if you're watching on twitchtv beat, then you see his face on the bottom of the screen. The great Nikias Duncan of Basketball News. Nikias, welcome, my friend. Hello, hello. Uh, great is high praise, but I am glad to be here. Do you want to be like the good? Do you want to be like 70th percentile? Like, what do you want to? You, you know prefer? what? Actually, yes. Yes. Give me the, the 70th percentile. Uh, okay. Seven, no. 72nd percentile of basketball analyst, Nikias Duncan. You no are the, uh, what is, who is the 70, who's in like the 70th percentile of like basketball players in the league? Uh, I feel like that's too low for Chris Middleton. That's way too low. Oh, that's way too low. <laughs> wait, 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 like an average starter. Like like Alonzo Ball? 
Or no, is that, he, it's Lonzo. Uh, too that's, that's, all, that's also low. I'm not doing any more. George Lonzo Hill. Talk. George Hill. Is the George Hill of NBA analysts? No, I think the guy's a little. I mean, I think the guy's a little because like George Hill is like a final piece, right? Mm. Like he's you're a George Hill. Like he doesn't hurt you. That depends if Jimmy Butler's hunting you and pick and roll. Yeah. Then, you know, that, that, that got dicey for poor George Hill. <laughs> um, you can also listen to Nikaias' podcast, The Dunker Spot, co-hosted with Steve Jones Jr. Now, I, I shill it all the time because it's legitimately like some of the best stuff. And it's really funny, right? Like you would think, okay, like Nikaias and Steve are just going to drone about, you know, their Spain pick and rolls. And, and no, it's, it's like legitimately really informative, educational, funny. And they go through, listen, I've heard so much about the minnesota timberwolves and the san antonio spurs on that podcast more than i would like but you know you get a really whole encompassing kind of uh look at the league which is just really incredible uh if you're if you're a podcast listener i always tell you this i push this y'all gotta come on twitch because it's a lot of fun chat is popping already they're they're already they're happy to kaius is here they're happy to see his shining face um shades 50 by the way thank you for the really wonderful comment at the top of the show thank god for this pod right now i need something good i'm struggling emotionally today uh so this should help uh dude we are here we want to have fun with you guys so thank you for the support and the love and we love you back so if you're joining us uh on stream thank you and if you're a pod listener hope you hope you can come by sometime i'm excited for the show we have a lot to talk about guys and I don't even know where to start. So, uh, Nikaias, I'll let, I'll let you pick where we go first. Uh, I want to talk about Belich's backup five minutes. I want to talk about kind of Goran Dragic's role going forward with Oladipo. Or I want to talk about the early returns on Victor Oladipo. Which do you want to go to first? I'm, I'm such a nerd because I kind of want to start with Belich. But Me too. I, I <laughs> The people are here for Victor Oladipo. Let's get some Victor Oladipo talking. Okay, let's 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 get some early returns on Depot. So I I guess let's start with the defense because I think the offense is going to be a little more bumpy. The looks that they get switching is just I, I mean Nikias, it's just nice that they have a guy a guard that can stay in front of somebody. It's been a while. It's been a long time. Like the Heat still trend towards switching just about everything, and that can still be annoying at times. But I do like that when teams run this dummy action to where they're like run a guy across a flare or something because they want to set up the action first. The Heat don't have to switch that part because Victor Oladipo can actually stay with the ball handler. And that just helps them junk up the action a little bit later. And I mean, they're all they're all smart. They're all long. Even if you they do switch into a, a size mismatch, like Victor Oladipo has already shown that he can front in the post. And Miami's fantastic at scramming guys out and rotating behind it. And then when you have Jimmy Butler, like splitting the difference, like he's going to pick that off like seven out of 10 times anyway. So I have been excited from what I've seen from Victor Oladipo so far at the point of attack. He's held his own against smaller guys doing what he needs to do as a guy that fronts bigger players. It's refreshing to see a guard out there that knows what he's doing and is actually, and is physically capable of doing, no, uh, doing that. So. Frankie, I see you're nodding your head. I've been surprised at like how springy he is. He's like flying all over the place. I was like, damn, I thought you were I thought you were like really hurt. This is what happens when you get out of a really bad relationship and you are you are appreciated, you are loved, you are pe- surrounded by people who think just like you and and just try to uh promote your your positive str- uh, and and not you know, not talk about your shooting percentage all the time. Victor Oladipo doesn't have to be an all-star anymore. He can he can just be a, go- a really good two-way starter and that's more than enough for Miami. A 70th percentile type player. 
We'll take it. Absolutely. We'll take it. Uh, Marco in chat says, Josh Richardson was the last good guard defender that Miami had. This is uh, yeah. Justice Winslow erasure. He yeah, was on the team last time. I keep forgetting Justice. You're so right. It's ju- But Justice and Josh. Justice and Josh. Yeah, Both absolutely. But Justice uh, was on the team last year. I'm doing it. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm sorry, like, you say that. And I saw that Five Reasons reported today that Justice Winslow uh, is either out for tomorrow or probably out. Uh, thank you, Curtis Hero, for the tier one sub gift to Marco. Uh, Marco's Marco's a homie. We love Marco and we love Curtis. Um, yeah, so I like Nikias. You know, the, the Depot, you know, I, you know, I wasn't very in on, on Oladipo. And you I not. really... I was, I was very, I was, very, I was, I lashed out. I don't know if, I think I said this on the pregame last time or whatever. I lashed out. I was unhappy because I wanted Kyle Lowry and I lashed out. And I think at some point I just said, Victor Oladipo is not good. I was emotional. <laughs> I was hurt. Chad, was player. Chad, just to put you behind the scenes, we have like 17 people in the heat beat uh, ch- chat, uh, DM message. And uh, Gianni says, I hate this. And he got thumbs down by like everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, just like, a, like it was like a Marcus, like a mini Marcus Canby in chat. It was just yeah. it was bad. And I, because I started thinking about it in the context of the Raptors trading for Gasol, right? Because like I, I've been on the train of they need a four more than they need another guard. And I think that they needed both, but I thought four would have been like higher on my priority list. And they upgrade a guard, even though I, I thought that they had like a whatever solid guard rotation. It had their flaws, but I thought in the playoffs last season, you know, they were able to mask the fact that they couldn't defend a point of attack by switching and helping and their early rotations and all that stuff. And they get depot. And he takes their defense from good to great. Like, I think, like, legitimately, like, he and Ariza are going to give them, like, bite that they didn't have before, even though their defense was really good. And it made me think of the Marcus Gasol trade, because, and not that, like, they're, like, similar or whatever, but the Raptors had Valanchunas and Ibaka and a, a really good two-headed center rotation. And they said, you know what? We are going to, even though we need a guard and a wing more, because they were really a guard and a wing short, they're like, we're going to upgrade the position that we're sure of. Because we know that we have two good players here. And they went from good in Valanchunas to great in Marcus Gasol. And I remember at the time, I was like, I mean, I, I, they're better, I guess. But like, I mean, they, they didn't address their biggest needs. And... You know, obviously, he was a huge part of a title team. So I think of it like that. Like, he unlocks stuff that maybe, like, a guy like Harrison Barnes or somebody, like, positionally made more sense. But I think what they get out of Oladipo, especially on defense, is just going to – it's going to be transformative. I agree. Again, like, Miami just hasn't had this element at the point of attack. Like, Justice was here last year, and we got a handful of games from him. And – you know, this year we had Avery Bradley for what? 12 minutes, 14 seconds, somewhere in there. So, like, you, Miami's never really had that. So now you add a guy like Victor Oladipo, who, like, quietly, he's been a good defender all year. Like, he isn't the all-NBA version of himself on that end. But, like, he, even as he shot bricks in Indiana and also Houston, like, the defense was always kind of there. The movement was kind of there. So adding all the depot to this mix that Miami has and their defense is already really good. Now you kind of eliminate some of the weakness that you had at the point of attack. Again, like they don't have to switch literally everything. Now they can just switch most things because Victor can hold his own in space. Even improving on the margins that way allows Miami to take teams deeper into the clock and 
if there's six seconds on the shot clock and now you're forced to attack Bam out of bio, you're probably not going to win that possession too often. So I've loved what I've seen from on the defensive end so far. It, it, Frankie, he's kind of like, remember when, like, I think this is like common with both teams. Like the defense always comes first for guys when they get here. Oh yeah. So than the offense. I, I feel like that's what they preach. So that's the heat culture. That's, that's, that comes that from Riley himself and all the way to Spo. Like you have, you know, like what wins games, what wins, uh, what you, you can rely on more consistently. You know, there's going to be nights where guys aren't going to hit shots. You can bring the defense every night though. And, uh, like Nikaisa said, it's like, you're, you're bringing another element, uh, that you were missing. Uh, cause you know, like the, the defense all year, like pretty much all year has had good, uh, statistics, but it was also like, what does the team, what does the defense do? Well, that was really the question. Like there was just, it felt a little bit of like fool's gold. And now you have, you add Trevor Reza, who's a versatile, uh, wing, uh, you add Victor Ladipo as a point of attack guy and you have depth uh defensively and and versatility there on both ends uh and i'm really excited for it i i, I want to see how this progresses because victor's only going to get better at this and and understanding the systems when to take risks when not to and when to stay in position uh and i'm i'm excited for it i want to see more those those little ariza igadala uh depot units oh, are really God. fun no it's more crazy. Tyler and Duncan at the, when you need to stop. Ah, let's go. They have like they have very ball hockey units. What are you gonna say, Nick guys? Uh, I was just gonna say to Frankie's point. Now they're only gonna play one of those guys, even though they don't have to. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, only- <laughs> I, it's in case in case we need a free throw, but the ball's going to Jimmy anyways. God, <laughs> it's it's fun. It's very fun. And like on the Ariza front, that dude just guards everybody. I still don't like him against guards, but he uses every bit of the what seven two seven three wingspan that he has, like the Pacers game Bless when him. he's like legit defending Miles Turner and Miles Turner's trying to sprinkle in the hooks and like he's almost blocking the shot, and it's just like wait a minute, like fours aren't supposed to be able to do that against and on Lillard, like I know yeah. that he fouled him at the end of that that possession, but like I mean that wasn't the only time that game that he was on Lillard, right. So Trevor Reese has been a godsend defensively. Now we'll see what happens with the shot because sometimes it's good and most times it's not, but he's getting quality looks and he has the history of knocking down those shots. So ideally he settles in. It's like a 37, 38% guy. And that's kind of all they need from him. I think, and Jimmy's shooting like 75% at the rim. I saw this season or like from zero to, from zero to three feet. So I think as long as they get enough and that's with Andre spacing for him. Like, you know, if, if Trevor is going to be, like you said, like just uh, it doesn't even have to be elite, which I think it'll come. Like, I don't know, Frankie, is there a doubt that it'll like not come? I mean, maybe maybe that might be foolish just to assume, but I mean, he hasn't played in forever. So, I mean, it's natural that he's going to kind of take a little time to get the game speed. Yeah, like you saw right away, his uh, the game speed of getting his shot was was really slow, a lot slower than than uh, he, I think he's ever shot it. Um, so and it's improved. He's getting the shot off now. It's just about getting his rhythm in. Uh, you know, he did. He's still like he's just playing uh, after missing like a, over a year. Uh, so you you know give him some time. He's getting enough open looks that I'm not too concerned about it. He's got the track record. It's not something that's out of his element to hit uh, spot up in corner threes. Like I think we all know he can do it. It's just him doing it. 
I think he's been really good, like in their off-ball screening, Nikias, yeah. and like I, I think that's probably like one of the harder parts of kind of coming to a new team, like all that off-ball stuff. And Miami runs so much of it, and Duncan's just—I don't know if Duncan's fun to play with or not. I mean, that dude moves so much, you always gotta be doing something. Uh, I, I think he's looked really good, and like that I, to me on offense, that's where he's looked the best. Yeah, I'd say so. Like. I'm actually kind of surprised at how how often Miami is using him in those screening actions. Um, I just figured they would kind of park him as a spacer just to make it more difficult for teams to help off of him. And that kind of unlocks the other stuff, but he's an active mover, man. And I said um, early on when I hopped on here a week and a half or so, like I was surprised that when he gets the ball, he's actually able to touch the paint with it. Like he's not, he's obviously not going up and dunking on people, but even that, pressure at the rim is something that they were kind of missing and he's been able to do that make the simple pass ahead keep the defense in rotation then he's able to spot up or relocate from there he's really helping juice the offense a little bit uh, oh i'm sorry i'm stopping the show because schmidt and smolnik in chat uh revealed breaking news that i've just confirmed on twitter paul pierce has been fired from espn i don't want to laugh at the man being fired but just it, it i will fuck paul given, pierce Given uh given the events, the guy I mean I, I mean the the whole Instagram video with I don't I don't know if those women were strippers or Paul Pierce's friends. I don't know what was going on on Instagram video. Uh but it seems kind of harsh to fire him for that. I don't know, is it? Dwayne Wade better. Dwayne Wade better. Nikaya's thoughts. Well, thought uh that's a okay. oh, we're getting this live. I mean, I, it's probably going to hurt us all Hall of Fame bit. <laughs> I wouldn't go go that far. Like, it's just a, it's an unfortunate situation for everyone involved. Um, Not me. uh, (laughs) 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 It's, that was not a thing that I expected to wake up to. um, No. Clips of Paul Pierce um, with what looks like sadness in his eyes, smile on his face, uh, booty in the air. Uh, Just kind of a, they throwing what were they throwing at? They were throwing like like Tostitos or or something. I don't know. I didn't. I, I, mean, I, I didn't know what was going on. It was a lot. Like there was a lot happening in that video, and I was like, I can't process all of this. I mean, to be fair, though, the those big three era Celtics only won one chip, so I guess they had to get some more. But I just did not. That's how you I, do I it, Steve Jones Jr. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's about as far as I want to go with that one. But yeah, it, uh, it's just yeah. it's just a weird thing to see, and it's unfortunate that this is the result. Um, I, I've seen tweets like saying that he's married and stuff. I don't know if that's true, so I'm not going to comment on that part of it. But. It was just everything about that was bizarre. And this is a natural endpoint to bizarre behavior when you work for ESPN slash Disney. So it's yeah. And and unfortunately, Rachel Nichols got a lot of I don't know what happened there, but like people were like tweeting at her because somebody in the comments said, where's Rachel Nichols? Which is just like incredibly unfair to her as like a professional. Like a weirdo. Yeah, like that. Like that was just fucked up of everybody. And yes, Chad, I know they were poker chips. I was making a joke. I mean, Jesus Christ! Listen, come on, man. I was, uh, get in on it. I mean, come on. Yeah. So uh, we also, I don't. I think it was on the pregame, Nikias. We were like, it's just a, you know, we we don't accept that. We wouldn't expect that out of Paul. We were kind of going like out of all the analysts, like Kendrick Perkins. Okay, like we that would would it surprise you if it had been Perk? 
Uh, yeah, that would have surprised me if it was Perk. It would have surprised you. See, we were like, Kenny Smith's like a family man. You know, like they, if it was Kenny, if it was Chauncey Billups, it would have surprised us. Yeah, like Paul would have. Like, I feel like once like once you get into like that analyst role, like, I don't know, you're, you're just you're like Grant Hill would have surprised you. Chris Absolutely. Weber, you know, like, yeah, we were it's too polished. It's that. too polished. Too polished. Like if, Steven, too polished. if that happened to Steven Jackson, you would have been like, ah, OK. Or like Matt Barnes, like you, those guys, you'd be like, yeah, OK. But this is a long time. Analysts. They run a rogue podcast. Is it on HBO? What is that? Uh, it's I think good. It's I like it. Um, might be Darn, Showtime. Good. Showtime, yeah, I think that is whatever Deezus and Mero on, they, they they do it there. Yeah, the Showtime. You but, uh, went this on is, recently. That was really good. Yeah, but this is a long time coming. He should have been fired when he said he had a, he was a better player than than Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And uh, Shmi, this one in chat says Hubie Brown would have survived that controversy. Uh, yes, he would have. Oh Brown. man, if Hubie gives the play by play on that. <laughs> oh, 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 oh man, I need it. I need it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> You see, <laughs> you see, this is why you aim at the booty. You see that refo- recoil? That's what we're going for. There I we love go. Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown's a bitch. All right. <laughs> we've been sidetracked enough. Uh, you know, pour one out for Paul Pierce's media career. F's in the chat. F's in the chat for Paul Pierce. We can't make fun of him anymore. That's that's really the important. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> we will find he Twitter will find a way. Shit is pants. Um, let- Let's uh let's move to Oladipo on offense because we kind of talked a little bit about what he and, and Trevor have done. But uh, Nikias on offense, he's not settled yet, and he was a twenty point scorer, you know, before he got here. I think in Houston he just averaged like straight up twenty points, not even counting the Indiana stuff. I'm not worried about that. Like I think that eventually, I I mean, not that the Heat run like a Quinn Snyder level complicated offense, but I think it it it's, <coughs> takes some getting used to. They have they run a lot of stuff. And I, I'm not too concerned. I think he'll fit in. I, I think I'm more concerned about the shooting uh, just because I just don't trust him as a shooter, even though his catch and shoots and his quarter numbers are good. I'm wondering how you feel about his kind of progression. Uh, the pull-ups haven't looked great. Let's start there. A lot of them, too. <laughs> yeah, it has been a lot of them. Like, I feel like part of it is just him trying to get his legs under him. But, um, yeah, the pull-ups haven't been great. So it's encouraging that Miami has mixed in some off-ball looks for him, and he has looked good as a cutter already. So the fact that he can kind of fit in in a secondary role is encouraging. Um, He's obviously looked much better on spot-up looks so far. Um, Kind of surprising. It doesn't seem like he's getting the same lift on those catch-and-shoot looks, but maybe that's just a small sample size thing. But I'm not too worried long-term. Like, when he does get the ball, he's touching the paint. That's what you need from him to do. Um, He has shown he can knock down spot-up looks. You're going to need for him to get the pull-up going to at least an average level just so he can be more than a spacer slash closeout attacker because you do want more of – you want more from him than that if you're planning on keeping him long-term and we're down the road on that, but that's going to be part of the evaluation. Like if you want to give him a contract next year, he needs to prove that he can actually create some offense for you instead of just being the guy that reacts and keeps the chain moving. Because while that's valuable, that's not $25 million a year valuable. He's their fastest downhill threat right now. Like he's, he's quicker than I thought he'd be. 
Now this, <laughs> it's picking from it's picking from Goron and and Jimmy that listen. Jimmy moves to the beat of his own drum. I've never seen such a good pick and roll player that's as slow as he is. He just he takes life at his own pace. It's great. I love him. But Depot gives you. He has a bit of burst, which I like. Um, the Euro has been nice. It, it's just an element. Um, I I think counting on his pull-up, Frankie, might be a little... I don't know. It's not something I would count on. I don't really know. I think as a, just a high screen and roll guy, I would like to see him use Jimmy as a screener more. I tweeted this out today. Jimmy's like the 83rd percentile as a screener. Um, he's like amazing. What is it? 1.33 points per possession. Yeah. 1.33 points per possession as a role man, which is just insane, especially with 86 the kind of shooters percentile. And 86 percentile. Um, I mean, I kind of want to see kind of some of those looks for, for Depot, uh, to get kind of Jimmy involved as, as, I mean, you don't want Jimmy crowding your space. I don't, it's tough to think of his role going forward. And we're going to talk about that in the context of Dragic in a second, but I kind of wanted your thoughts kind of piggybacking on what Nikaya said. Um, yeah, definitely. He uh, like you would love the the polo to be a, a legitimate weapon, um, but you, I, I don't think you need it so like to rely on it so much because I think your defense so. Fr- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed vastly improved that you're going to get more possessions in transition. You're going to be able to get opportunities elsewhere. Uh, like Nikai says, he brings other things to the ca- table. He can, he's a good cutter. He was able to, uh, the, I, I believe it was the first game, you know, fr- no practice or anything. He, he was able to get uh, cut to the basket, find a hole, got the ball, collapsed the defense, kicked it out for an open shot for, for Trevor. It's just, there's other ways he can uh, contribute to the offense. And we know in the playoffs, Jimmy's going to be handling more. Bam's going to be handling more. Like you would love the pull up to be a legitimate weapon, but it, it's not completely necessary uh, to, you know, he doesn't have to be elite for, for him to be a, a positive impact player. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball player strikes out when the bases are loaded. The best golfer sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 now. 
With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. And the whole process is discreet and straightforward. Get Getting started is simple. Go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete the online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 to get $15 off your first month. Look, that's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Get to roman.com slash heatbeat21. Go get started to save $15 on your first month of treatment. I So when I look at the Heat's kind of offense in the playoffs, right? Because I think that anything we talk about now is in the context of how can they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, right? I think that that's kind of, at least that should be the goal. I, don't, I, I think that they're better than, I think that they, I think they're going to want loftier than the second round out. And if you look at what, they can do it because like their defense, I think is going to be good. So we got to figure out, can they score enough? Can they get enough going downhill, going to the rim to open up the handoff game and their shooters and all that stuff. And if I'm looking at Dragic and I'm looking at Depot, I'm thinking, okay, well, last season, the element that they had to their offense was they had the Jimmy high screen and roll game. They had Bam in the handoff game as a roller, as a facilitator from the elbow and all that stuff. Yet, obviously, whatever Duncan did with him in the two-man game. And then the uh, I think probably the most important part was what Dragic gave you as an isolation player, as the guy with a legitimate step-back three, which I don't think that's been talked about enough. I mean, his step-back three last season was absurd. And we haven't seen that this season. And a guy that could get to the free-throw line. Now, I think I trust Dragic in pull-ups more than any of these other dudes. That's looked pretty good this season. The step-back... Question mark and the getting to the free throw line question mark. So Nikaias like and I've been thinking about this a lot because he was so important to everything that they did to get to the finals last season. And he just hasn't looked right this season. And not that his shooting numbers were like outrageous in that postseason run. Uh, They were like, you know, they were they were pretty normal. But I think I was like, can Oladipo give you what Dragic gave you? Like, okay, so Dragic was 19, 4, and 4 on 44, 35, and 80 splits. I think that the 44, 35, and 80 splits is like, I think he can replicate that, maybe not at volume. If Depot can kind of fill those gaps, I think they might be able to cobble enough offense. But I think Depot's like they they just don't have that isolation element, and and that I guess the guys that's what I'm kind of concerned of, like about both of them in the aggregate. That is the concern. I think the benefits of adding a bit roller Depot is that even now, like not only does he get to the rim for you, he can do that without help, and that's kind of been the thing I've been tracking with Goran Dragic the last two three years, and why I've been a vocal component of Miami selling high on him, which I've rightfully been yelled at about. But my thing with that is that as Gorn has aged, like when is the last time Gorn got to the rim without needing a screen in the half court? Like you can't think of many examples off the top of your head. So I do think playing him with the Victor Oladipo 
or just playing him alongside Jimmy Butler more often with Jimmy being more aggressive this year, I think it helps because those two guys can legitimately force a rotation for you. And then you can have Goran attack from there. I think he should get easier opportunities. So, but he won't have to because he has those guys. And then when he does get those opportunities, the defense will already be a little bit more loosened up just because you have other guys attacking the touch of the paint that way. I mean, I'll disagree with you on that. I think he got to the rim without a screen plenty last season. He was like in the playoffs. He was like a ninety in the ninety fourth percentile as an isolation guy. I, I and I know a lot of that was the jumper. I know a lot of that was him stopping on a damn dime and defenders flying and, and him shooting. But I mean, I did think he had enough burst that he was getting to the rim. He was a really good that last year was like one of his better finishing seasons in his career. I I kind of disagree with that a little bit. I think this season that's certainly been the case. And even with the screen, I think he's struggling to kind of turn the corner and get to the rim. I don't know if that's the groin. I don't know if that's the foot. I I've, I don't I have no idea what that is. But I think last year he he did that plenty. But that, that was more like rested Goron, you know, coming fresh, oh, not yeah. off an injury. And he was like, like I said, he was, you know, he was hitting all these pull-ups. So he was able to leverage that to get to the rim and stuff. It, it was the threat of the pull-up was so uh, great that, that the defense had to overplay that to take away the three-point shot. And he got to the line of plenty uh, like that. He was And he was attacking a lot of those bigs, forcing the switches. Um, offensively, and it also helped that all uh, Goron's playing with th- two, three guys at a time that were all hitting 40% from three. So you can't leave anybody open. You're trying to switch, you're trying to neutralize them. And then Jay Crowder hits a, a, a th- an open three. And then Tyler Hero hits an open three. Duncan hits a three. Kelly hits a three. Like they had so much more shooters that that also helped Goron's uh ability to get open and get to the basket uh we don't have that that luxury this year with duncan uh duncan be the only one like at 40 percent right now is he at 40 uh, did he get the 40 good for him i think he he might be just under it he's like 39.6 or something like that if you round up um but you know like he doesn't have that luxury so i 40.03 let's go dunk let's go we're, we're back, back. Back, baby. Um, I, but I, I definitely think, um, you know, having another ball handler like that, like a depot that the defense has to account for, that can get to the cup, that can create shots for other people. So you aren't can play a uh, secondary ball handler sometimes with depot. And we saw uh, somebody in the chat mentioned that Spo ran out a uh, depot, a Goron, Tyler, Bam, uh, and Belly lineup, and it, it did pretty solid. From, from the eye test. And I, I, I like the potential of a lineup like that. The hope is that this, the, the kind of moves at the, like the shooting. So Duncan is our only guy shooting over 40 this season. I, I don't think Tyler is going to get there. No. I, I just, I don't, um, I don't think Goran's going to get there. And I think maybe a reason might be your next best shot at getting there. <laughs> Considering that he just started and he could still, he still has time to, uh, to build a, to build a base. But, like their shooting's just not going to be what it was last season. It's just not, and and I think even if Tyler goes through a hot streak, I don't think it's going to be enough. So they're going to need that downhill pressure. And if Goron can't give you that, then and and I saw somebody said I think it was Marco that said that you know what Oladipo is going to give you is the ability to rest Dragic in the regular season. I mean, yeah, but I. I I agree with that, but like Nikias, I think people talk about a lot of like, okay, we got to put Goran on ice, so we got to rest Goran. Man, Goran needs to play with these people. Like Goran needs to, you know, you just can't drop Goran Dragic in a playoff series and he's played like what, like 50 minutes with, with guys? He's like, okay, Goran, you know, figure it out in our highly complex offense. 
I mean, to be fair, like he knows the offense. So I don't think that's going to be much of an adjustment yeah, for him. Playing with a guy like Depot, that's not an easy element to introduce when it's like another dominant ball handler who can't shoot. Hey, less film for the, the teams in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. This is true. But like, I mean, there were similar, similar elements with uh, number 11 a couple of years ago. So I don't think it would be a far cry for him to be able to play off a guy. And he plays off of Jimmy plenty. So in terms of like what it actually looks like, I don't think it's going to be much of an adjustment. Obviously, I'm not calling Victor Depot Jimmy Butler or anything like that. But in terms of a ball dominant guy, not, you better not call him number 11 either. You take that back, Nikai Stunk. Do you mean, do you mean Dion Waiters or Birdman? Who? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> But but no, I, I don't champ think, cheese. <laughs> but no, I, I don't think that you have to worry much about Goran on the chemistry front. Like I think he's played in enough two guard and even three guard lineups at times during his heat tenure to where he'll be able to fit in um pretty smoothly. Would you that, like those looks if they did that? If they went Goran Depot and like say Tyler? Uh like it's fine. Like I'm I'm fine with that as like a hybrid second unit type deal. I think you can't play that with Bailey too. I think you have Bam has to be the big there, and either Andre or Jimmy have to be there. I mean, that's fine, but that's also why it's a hybrid. I think they can they can get quality minutes out of that game throughout the game. Like you're not going to close with that, but you play a stretch like that. You don't have to rely on it. No, I I like it. I was just curious as when I mean they haven't done a lot of three guard stuff lately. Especially they've been pretty. They've also had an excess of wings and that Eric loves to play Andre. So and missing they've been missing Goran and Depot just joined the team too. So yeah. So I mean they I mean none and Dragic doesn't doesn't have the same ring to it as Depot and Dragic. No, it doesn't. No, it's <laughs> just, or Vincent. I, you know, well, I, then I, I'm glad you brought that up because I that kind of brings me to and I'm glad that we kind of talked about these hybrid units because Bailitia playing backup five is huge for them. And if he can survive defensively, and if like, and I worry about when they get to the Nets and when they get to the Bucks, when they those teams downsize, and especially, I mean, like you, you you're just gonna have to avoid those lineups, especially with KD at the four or whatever the Nets want to do at the five. Um, I like it for them. I like it. I just think that they have to really work around it because if your if your backups come in and if they're Goron and Tyler and Bailitia. That that scares me in a playoff series. Like when those are your three guys off the bench, I don't really know. I don't really know how you win those minutes because I just feel like you're even if you have Jimmy and Andre or Jimmy and Ariza, right, Nikias? Like that's where I'm worried because you at that point your guards can't defend, and now you have a big and drop who can't defend. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Like I think in that they would have to lean a little bit more on the helping if they do switch, which if you're going to have Jimmy and a re- Jimmy and Iguodala out there at the same time, for example, like they are still tremendous help guys. So I, I think you can kind of mitigate it a little bit there. Uh, I think it would probably make more sense to go Ariza if you're not going to have Bam on the floor there, just so you have that extra length there and also an extra spacer. Because if you're playing those guys together, it's because you want to stretch the floor. You want to really put stress on another big that may be playing in drop. That's the value of Bielitsa at the vibe. And that's what I was tracking as he finally started getting minutes for Miami because he was playing some four. (laughs) He was playing some four alongside Bam. And I'm just like, that's cool. But, like, 
for his defending Bielitsa is manageable for a defense. Bielitsa at the five, you have to think a little bit because not only can but that was a result of Andre missing and they just did not have another backup for. Yeah, I get. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm just saying in terms of if they want to look at that as a long term look or if Bielitsa's hit five threes through three quarters, if they want to close with him and Bam in the front court, for example then I would worry about that because the spacing element just isn't going to be the same with him at the four versus the five. So I think they would need to make sure they surround those guys, him, Goran, Tyler in particular, with length, with off-ball activity, so you can kind of survive defensively there because offensively, the spacing benefits there are pretty clear. Frankie, that's where I can see like maybe Gabe stealing some minutes. Yeah. Like as, a, as probably one of their, their better after depot guard defender. Yeah, and one of those things uh, about that lineup, like uh, you definitely want Bielitsa and Jimmy because uh, you want Jimmy to benefit off of Bielitsa in the spacing. But uh, you want that versatility, and you have guys like Andre, uh, you have um, Nunn, you have uh, Vincent, you have a lot of a lot of bodies that you can like mix and match with. It, it, it the first thought of uh, that I had about that lineup was. Uh, one of the lineups that Golden State went to a lot when Andre was there, when they had their death lineups and stuff, it was the uh, like all defense with with uh, Clay as the only shooter. It was Sean Livingston, um, uh, Andre, Draymond, Clay, and and then it was like Barbosa, like another guy who can get to the cup. And they would just get stops, move the ball, and and hit a couple sh- shots. Clay was really the only shooter, but they could they were so versatile defensively. They would create and uh, uh, a lot of steals, a lot of pressure on the other team, and then just run off that. And I would love to see something like that. You have you know Kelly. Uh, I mean you know uh, Kendrick can push the ball in transition and can score in transition. Uh, I like a better off the ball in transition. You, you know Gabe can can push the ball, and uh, defensively Gabe Gabe's been really solid. Um, so I, I think that there's a lot of matchups and uh, a potential that that Spoke can play with, and and we'll see what works. I don't. So like I I don't think those guys are gonna play in the playoffs unless something has gone horribly yeah. wrong. I think their nine man rotation is set: Jimmy, Bam, Goran, Duncan, Ariza, Oladipo, Iguodala, Hero, and Bailey. It's four wings, three guards, two bigs. Then you have Gabe, Nunn, Precious, and KZ as a uh, if something goes horribly wrong, <laughs> please please save us. Please please help give us spot minutes. Um. <laughs> I you know a look that I liked that from last game was uh, they kind of stopped with the Dragic and Bailitia and Tyler together and then they went Jimmy Bailitia Ariza Dragic and Duncan and that's just that look makes a lot more sense to me because you get Jimmy and you get <clears throat> Jimmy and Ariza in the front court at the three and the four and then you know you get a little more size in your backcourt with Duncan who's been you know pretty solid defensively and then really like. You're only like super minus is is Dragic back there and and you know if they put Dragic and Belitsa in pick and roll you know you kind of give yourself a chance. Jimmy's just been an outrageous helper this year and and Ariza's been you know obviously all the length and everything we've talked about. So Crazy. like I like looks like that, it, but Nick, like Nick has it will take adjusting of lineups and how they want to play their bench units. It's gonna it's gonna be tinkered with. Yes, I for one am excited to watch uh, Eric Spolstra tinker with his rotation with a bunch of players. Uh, we're not going to be frustrated with that at all. No, <laughs> Spotations. Who's going to hold him accountable when it doesn't go right? I thought we had the answer, but we're still waiting on him to hold Spo accountable. So we've got to keep searching. 
Alex Toledo of Locked On Heat, you have a job to do, and you better you, you better do it. Um, I I like the Bailey at the five minutes. I like them. They're, he's no KO. Who, by the way, have you guys seen what KO's doing in Houston? <laughs> you just want the chat to shit on you, don't you? No, I'm just saying. Have you seen it? Why? Why is that yeah. bad? Because just the the tweets today when when you t- mentioned Kelly, everybody I saw I saw the mentions. But uh, why that was confusing to me? Why did everybody get mad? Uh, that that's how they treat every Heat pl- former Heat player. Like who? What Heat player has left and and Heat fans and like the majority of of casual Heat fans like them. Dwayne. That's but that's Dwayne. <laughs> that's I know. That's, but that's that makes my is point. Dwayne the only one? No, Dwayne can't be the only. Even LeBron gets it. No, Birdman. Birdman was still loved. Yeah, Birdman, I guess was, on no- Birdman didn't play. Birdman played like six more <laughs> games after he left Miami. Yeah, but we still loved him. Mike Miller. No, Mike Miller was. It was Mario. It was Mario. Might have been the only one. Mario. And everybody he, loved Mario. He played like twenty games because he got hurt. No, Mike Miller was still loved too. When Mike no, he, Miller went he went to Cleveland, bro. And he that was, was after, but like when he was, what was what was his first team back? Was it Memphis? It yeah, was Memphis, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there when he that game was like they loved him. The fans still loved him. Bro. Beasley, Schmid the Swanick says Beasley, Beasley. Yeah, but that was more as a joke. No, we love Mike. That's not that's not fair. We love Michael Beasley. And and Beasley also left like fifteen times. So like which time are we talking about? I'll say we he have, we have plenty of experience with uh, yeah. Michael Beasley leaving the heat. And he's good. Um no, but like I see Olenek finally shooting the damn ball while as a rocket, and I was like, hmm. He said this is he, what he, he does though. <laughs> he said he said he feels free. He feels like he, What is that supposed to be, Kelly? The team isn't trying to win. Like he can just yeah. kind of fling it. He's chucking shots. He was flinging it here. What are you talking about? I'm just saying, like, the pressure's off. You, I mean, is Steven Stylus going to be like, nah, bro, too many shots. DJ Wilson, get in there. <laughs> he probably got it, but no. We got to give Jay Sean Tate more shots. Sorry, Kelly. Unironically. You do need to <laughs> that man's good. That man is good. He's very good. Look at you. It was just Kelly a funny name. Like on the, the guys, huh? damn it. <laughs> it was just a funny name. I know he's a good player. Can't let it ride. Can't let it ride. <laughs> can't. Can't. Okay, uh, Olenek's on that like Terrence Ross diet, just like shooting everything he can. If Terrence I- Ross is fun to watch right now. <laughs> he Raptor killer. The dude, every, I mean, he killer. Everybody killer. I mean, dude, dudes, dudes letting it fly. Um, I, I, I've been thinking about the Nets matchup a lot, guys, because you know it, they might get the one seed. Which, by the way, Ben Simmons has looked really stinky for a month, month and a half. Uh, so something to monitor over there in Philly. They might not get the one seed. And if the Heat, the Heat can't get to three. And I think they're just going to win as much as... And that they're better than Atlanta, New York, and Charlotte, and all those other teams, and, and Boston. I just, they're just better than those teams. So I think it's... And their schedule's like pretty whatever, kind of remaining. I think they likely get the four seed. And that second round matchup's going to be them and probably Brooklyn. And I've been thinking about it a lot. And I'm thinking, well, how are they going to... I think their starters are going to be fine, right? We're probably starting, you know, what they're doing now, right? The Jimmy Oladipo, uh, Bam, Duncan, Ariza kind of lineup. I don't think Dragic starts in the playoffs like last season. I think that he's just going to be a guy off the bench. And I think the starting units are going to be fine defensively. And then everything after that is where I worry. And we talked on that with Bailey a little bit, but like 
I don't, especially like Nikias, how much are they going KD at the five? That's something that really worries me because I don't think that he'd have a lot of solutions. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, they haven't done it much this year at all. And also the fact that they've added like a they've added like a combined 147 years of center depth over the last <laughs> three weeks. I don't think they want to play him at the five at all. Like if anything, they're just gonna go Jeff Jeff Green. Or That's a win for play. Miami. That's a win for Miami. I mean, they out of all those guys, I mean we saw what Bam did to Jeff Green twice. <laughs> this is true. So I mean, maybe it's Green, maybe it's Claxton. Like if Aldrich has the jumper. Not, going, not looking good there. for your boy. Oh, uh, like the game Sunday against Chicago was the one where I'm just like, all right, what are we doing here? Because like he's still been closing games outside of that one. It was very odd to watch like Aldridge plus minus in that game was awful, but like he was actually pretty good in the game on both ends. I have no idea what Blake Griffin. That's not the agenda, Nikai. We're not pushing that agenda. Big man, big man. (laughs) I have no idea why Blake was on the court past the first quarter, but that's neither here nor there. The moral of the story is I don't think KD at the five is going to be a massive option for Brooklyn. Uh, I just don't think they want to do that. Like, do you worry about Miami's bench unit surviving? Like, I, I'm just, I'm horrified of their bench unit surviving because I just see them bleeding points in a playoff series where they just like, I, I see situations where like Tyler and Dragic just like literally cannot exist together on the court. If we're looking at a Brooklyn matchup, um, I would be slightly concerned because that means they're probably going to have at least one of Kyrie or James Harden on the court at all times, or at least they should. And with that, both of those guys can kind of mismatch Hunt. And if they also have um, LaMarcus Aldridge at the five specifically, then, like, he can still post up guards. So I would worry about Miami kind of switching themselves into two mismatches to where you may have Bielitsa guarding a James Harden in isolation. Oh, but or they, if, I don't think they'll switch those. Huh? I, I don't have they, I don't think they switch Bielitsa at all. I mean, I mean, they try not to, late, but late shot clock stuff. Yeah. But like, I think anything b- before seven seconds, they're pretty committed to dropping him. Oh, no, I'm not saying Miami would want to switch that, but I'm just saying just by the nature of how Harden handles the ball, like I'm sure he would be able to draw out that mismatch if he wants to. And from there, then Miami's either have to send some extra attention there, or if it's Aldridge posting up like Tyler Hero in a second unit, then that could be problematic. And you have to send help there and there are shooters everywhere. So I'm a little bit concerned on that front. But like, I think any, this, this is going to be so on brand for me, but I think any Aldridge minutes, uh, the heat, that's a win for them. Anytime Aldridge is there, especially with Duncan, you know, if he's playing the five, any handoff they run, right? Like that's a win because he's going to drop. He's not going to come up to the level, and they're going to Duncan's going to have that space. And whoever whoever's defending him, whether it's probably what Joe Harris, probably I imagine, or I don't think they'll run Harden or Kyrie chasing him around all game. So it's probably it Harris or Bruce Brown if they sprinkle him in there. So shout I out mean, Bruce Brown. I mean, any any Blake or, or Aldridge minutes, I think that they win those. Something I like last year that they did um, against the Lakers to kind of force them small was they would have Dwight guard uh, Jay Crowder, and then they would just have Jay Crowder trigger their handoff, and then the Dwight has to drop, and, and then Duncan kind of springs free, and they do stuff like that. So, like, I think they – I haven't seen them do too much of that with Ariza, but I'd like to see it, especially when they have bigger guys defending him. But 
I've just frankly I've been I've been I've been thinking about that matchup and it really scares me. Like those bench units defensively, um, I think the Heat are going to be able to score against them pretty okay, which is funny to say because the offense has kind of been the concern all year. Uh, yeah, it, it's I mean Brooklyn's got a historically great offense with a historically awful defense. So uh, are we at historically awful defense level? Uh, yet? Is it there? They're like 29th, I think. They're not even like the worst team in the defense in the league, and I think they've been better as of late. Anyway, so are they better than those Cavs teams defensively? Nah, Nikias, the really bad ones, the really bad defensive LeBron Cavs teams. Are the Nets better or worse than those? Oh yeah, they're better. Yeah, those those Cavs teams are like legit awful. Because at least like KD is still like trying. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, but Miami has to, you know, not shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, we, we also haven't played them in a while, so that I'm interested in that matchup. Uh, I want to see it's like two weeks, two weeks. Yeah, so so it's a good and and you know they still haven't played fully healthy uh, all their guys, so they have they still don't know. They still have a lot of uh, work to do on that on both ends there, uh, trying to get their rhythm and stuff like that. So um, I'm interested in it. I'm not concerned about it yet just because uh, Miami still has a lot to, a lot of work to put in and, and to correct themselves before we can even think about that kind of matchup. Um, but somebody in the chat said that the Nets should be the only team that the Heat lose to in the East side. Uh, and I, I think kind of uh, like Milwaukee's gotten better, but I, I still like they Miami's. I, I'm still not afraid of them. Until, until Giannis can do something from 15 feet out, they don't, they don't scare me. That's funny because I feel that way about the Sixers. Like, I'm just like, I don't think the Sixers have answered the question of kind of where Simmons is in the offense late. And I know that they've just been very successful at posting up Joel Embiid and they've managed to to get those entry passes in safe. But I always like to remind people that Joel Embiid has a negative assist to turnover ratio. And Eric Spolstra, his entire tenure in Miami outside of a couple years with a certain center has always been at a size disadvantage. And especially in the playoffs, the Heat have his air exposure teams front help recover. And they've been great at that. And I think now more than ever, they have like the quick hands and the bodies and the foot speed and the, the like the, their rotations have been so fucking disciplined. I, I mean, even guys like Tyler have been very, very clean in their rotations. Now, whether he stays in front of a guy is a different story, but they know where they have to be and they're very good and they're very disciplined. They're very clean. So like Nikai is like a team like Philly, well, I understand the matchup advantage. I mean, even against Bam that Embiid is going to have. I mean, I think even with Bam, they're going to double, they're going to front, and they're going to rotate. And if those shooters beat you, then they beat you. But they're going to really try to turn the ball over. And I kind of, I don't hate that for them. Yeah, like I think if you're in Miami, I don't think you're afraid of a Philadelphia matchup. I mean, I, Miami's not going to be afraid of anyone. Let's start there. But if you're talking about like the odds of them losing a series, like I think they have more than a puncher's chance against Philadelphia. Um, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, I still say they should be favored if those two were to match up. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, Miami has the defensive principles to pull off. I mean, to be able to beat anybody in the East. And I think adding the kind of depth that they did without giving up really any word of consequence outside of Kelly Olenek just makes them more of a threat in the East if things click all the way. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is that like they'll, I think in theory, they can have the best player on the floor in every series except for Brooklyn because we've seen Jimmy Butler outplay Giannis in a playoff series. And 
you know, we've seen it, uh, Bam outplay Jason Tatum in a playoff series, right? So all that stuff. So uh, I think they also have that kind of element against the Nets. I just, there's too much talent there and they just, they won't. At best, they'll have the third. Yeah. You just got to bank on other stuff. Yeah, I, I think the best case scenario would be uh, Philly winning the, uh, the the one seed, and then you let Milwaukee and and Brooklyn battle it out. Hope Milwaukee takes Brooklyn, and then uh, you can. My, I think that's like the best route Miami could hope for. Miami, and you know Miami sneak into the four five matchup. I'm excited. I'm like I'm so pumped for basketball. Like the second half, I think the early returns. I would say the early returns are positive on Depot, Ariza, and, and Bayelitsia. Professor Big Shot, would you, would you all agree? Yeah. The stonks are trending up. And <laughs> he's stonk. he's he's only shooting 30% from three with the heat. Who? Bayelitsia. Ariza? Oh. Uh, only? Yeah. I feel like I mean, there's, there's been a lot of misses. Uh, yeah. That's the story of their offense this season. <laughs> this is also true. Also, just got an alert. Uh, James Harden did play today, and he left the game against the Knicks with more hamstring issues. So that's going to be something to monitor on Brooklyn's side. Um, that could impact seating if they hold him out and KD isn't back yet. And okay. we just saw a Kyrie-led Brooklyn team without Harden and uh, Durant lose to the Chicago Bulls. So we shall see. Like, and that was my thing with the Oladipo trade after I got over, like, Lowry not being here, is that you really, if things break right for the Heat... Hold on, hold on, really? hold on. After you got over? After I got over, like... I don't... I don't I, you still haven't gotten over it. I, not, not, like, totally, <laughs> but, like, I'm, I've come to the acceptance phase of, like, okay, okay, okay. this is what we got. Um, That Miami put themselves in a position uh, that... I mean, I thought before the trade, they were the fourth best team in the East, and I thought after the trade, they're still the fourth best team in the East. But... If you get a couple matchups that you like, and if maybe you get a little luck, if somebody's hamstring's not 100% right, if somebody's foot's not great, and if everything clicks for you, so if you get a Dragic that's hitting threes and that is somewhat of a downhill threat, if you get an Oladipo that is comfortable in the offense and is getting to the rim and has a decent pull-up, and you get what you expect out of Jimmy and what you expect out of Bam, and if Duncan, like he's doing, has really found his soul and he's 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 firing. We haven't even gotten to him yet. Um, and which well, well probably a couple minutes we'll we'll talk about him and then we'll get out of here. I think you give yourself a chance to make a finals. I don't think it's crazy. Am I? I don't think it's crazy. Like again, you you I mean you said you think Miami's the fourth best team in the East right now. I would agree with that, even with their added depth. But the playoffs are a matchup game, and Miami has specific things and specific matchups to pick on in each of those matchups against those other three teams. So depending on how the shooting falls and Miami shooting, it's not what it was last year. So that's a concern, but if the shooting does fall and now you add in the added length of a guy like Trevor Ariza, you add in the point of attack defense from a Victor Oladipo, um, the presence of Oladipo allows you to slow play things with Dragic and he's fresher for the postseason run. So now you have another attacker. Like it's very easy to envision a scenario where, into where the Miami Heat can make the finals again. Like I would, nobody should be shocked if the Heat make the finals. We wouldn't bet on it, right? You know, but yeah, sure. if you saw if you saw the route there, it's like the seedings lined up for Miami. I think you, I, I'd put, I, I think, I think we know Christian's going to put some money down. But uh, the rest of you guys, you know, I, I, I would feel comfortable. I would feel very comfortable 
I feel good uh, about us, to quote I, Pat Riley. <laughs> I feel good about us. I don't trust Philly. I still don't trust Philly. And I, uh, at, like Nikai says, you're still the fourth best team. But I, I, I think the Oladipo and Ariza moves turned them into, uh, turned them back into an Eastern Conference finalist contender. Uh, before that, I, there, I don't think there was any way they were winning uh, the, the second round even. And there, there was, a, you know, the right, the wrong matchup. You might lose in the first, uh, but now with these moves, I'm very confident in this team and moving forward, health permitting, of course. Um, and you still have Jimmy Butler. You still have Bam Adebayo. You're, you're going to have two of the best players, two of the three best, best players in, uh, in almost every series. So they'll have the best coach in every playoff series. You have the the best conditioned in every playoff series. You have the hardest working in every playoff series. You yeah, have the fucking the guts in every playoff series. Let's go. Bayleach is like the epitome of white privilege because James Johnson couldn't play uh, because of uh, fitness. And then Bayleach just kind of waltz on in. <laughs> it's always funny to me. <laughs> white privilege exists in Pat Riley's America. They don't call him skinny Lita. <laughs> I wish we could end there. I do want to get into Duncan for a second. God, that would have been such a fucking good joke to end on. Because uh, we haven't talked about Duncan, and Duncan's been absolutely bonkers. Uh, Dick Nikias, you said on the Dunker Spot via our friends at Instat. Shout out to Instat. Uh, you're gonna be seeing their name a lot around here. They're gonna. They're, gonna <laughs> they're great. Yeah, they're they're great. And I uh, listen. Uh, whoo, I'm having fun with them. Uh, he's he's been shooting like 50 percent off handoffs, which is just outrageous. And Nikias, I think a lot of it isn't even. They're not scheming him differently. It's not even, it's just, he's just hitting shots. I think he's a little watching. Listen, I watched 30 minutes of Duncan Robinson handoff, exclusively Duncan Robinson handoffs. It was Look mesmerizing. At the plug. This is some fantastic broad. <laughs> oh, listen, listen, they they will break down the plays. Like, okay, these are all of Duncan Robinson's handoff plays. And I'm like, okay. And it's just, it just flows, right? It's just, it all meshes together. And as they're mesmerized, watching him fly off screens and shoot him. Oh God, it's beautiful. Um, and the one thing I noticed was I don't think they're doing anything real different. I think he's a little less hurried. I think that was one thing. He was always a little hurried, not because of, I, I wouldn't even say the way he's defended. It's just, he was just a little hurried. I don't know. Uh, Nikias, I, I don't, I don't think they're doing much differently. I just think he's hitting shots, which is just a lame thing to like say, but like sometimes it's true. I mean, yeah. Like he's getting the contested looks to go back down again. And I think that was, a fun yet kind of under-discussed um, factor of his great shooting season last year. Like, he made an unbelievable amount of shots with hands in his face. And he hasn't done that to the same level this year, which, hey, you're not supposed to expect that. Like, his shooting season was anomalous last year. But once you look into, hey, why is he, quote-unquote, only shooting 40% from three this year? Part of that is why. And now that he's knocking down these FU threes again, I don't know what you do differently. I mean, you're technically defending those plays well, and he's knocking them down. So as he's gotten more comfortable there, like I think the confidence is going to rise for the spot of looks because why wouldn't they if you can knock down a shot over a six seven guy with, with a hand in his face? So mm-hmm. that's just going to help open up the offense even more. Um, if teams try to divert even more attention to him, they're already putting like their best or second best on ball guy to track him over screens. So if there isn't much you can do there outside of switch and Miami has a switch hunter and Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Then it just kind of gets tough for your defense. And and I do want to push back on they they haven't changed much. I mean, it's easy to say Duncan's hitting his shots, 
but the first half of the season, man, they were so slow getting into their offense. They were. They so, still are though. Yeah, no, but it wasn't the same. They were starting the the, the first handoff was starting with 14, 14 seconds <laughs> like on the dot and then and they were like spamming it they would go try the handoff three times and then the revolving door of handoffs it's six like seconds it. left you kick it to gabe vincent for a contested three and you're wondering why you can't fucking score gabe i would have killed for that it was always andre <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that was the thing they had no urgency they never went to their second options uh on on offense now that lately they've been doing it a lot more the the, the handoffs not there they flip the uh the screen they, duncan doesn't uh duncan pushes the ball tries to attack to the cup kicks it out you know you run uh it flows into something else uh before they're just relying on it so much it's like it's like you're playing madden and you just keep running hb dive hb dive hb dive and you're like all right why isn't it the hole opening up <laughs> so <laughs> marco and chat says i agree with frankie it's been less handoffs and it has been less handoffs. And I know Spo said it, but Ugh. I mean, the numbers bear that out. Thank if you, you look at their handoffs per month, it's it's gone down. They've gone to more pick and rolls. But in, speci- in particular with Duncan, I mean, he's yeah. still, his money comes from the handoffs. So they're still running the handoffs for Duncan. Like that hasn't changed. I think his decision making has gotten better. He's just a better player. I mean, he's more willing to go to the rim uh, as a little lob thrower. That's been cute. <laughs> Um, his passing to guys, I think has been a lot improved too. He's been hitting bam in the pocket really consistently. He's seeing that quicker when that, when that second man steps up, I think he's kind of reading, making those reads a lot better. And that's just kind of, I think, opened his game up a little bit. Yeah. And like the improvement of complementary skills are important, which is a duh thing to say, but that's also kind of why I was like, even when he was during, in the middle of the shooting slump that he was in, I never went as far as to say like Duncan's been bad this year because he hasn't been. He's still insanely important to the offense. He has actually improved facets of his game. He's improved on both ends of the floor, honestly. Oh, yeah. So it was only a matter of time before the shot progressed to the mean, well, his version of the mean anyway, which is still darn near historic. Like this year, he's had the dip and he's still at 40% from three on over eight. This is a down year. This is This is everybody complaining. Like, you know how good you have to be as a shooter for 40% on, like, eight attempts to be a down year for you? Like, that's... Ambis was legitimately angry with him. Like, angry. They're like, how, this is not what I signed up for. Like, the ceiling is actually the roof. It's kind of tough for him. He's wild, man. I love watching him play basketball. He's insane. Um, couple couple quick hitters before we get out because we're we've gone a little long. Um, I want to highlight, and I wanted to do this with Nikai's because his podcast, The Dunker Spot... I think Andre's passing out of the dunker spot has been fucking phenomenal this year. I think he, as a decision maker for them, has been incredible. And I know that he's just a bad spacer and a negative spacer. But when he's there, that little dump off pass, and he makes great reads off of that, kicking it back out to guys. And when they're firing, that looks really good. I love that for them. Like That's been something that I don't think we've talked about a lot. Uh, but it's I, I wanted to give Andre his props and I, you know, I did it with the host of the Dunker Spot. I appreciate the plug. I appreciate the reference. And like, yeah, Andre Ogadala has he's always been a good decision maker. Like he's always going to have that part of his game. It's important for Miami to find other uses for him on offense because stashing him in the corner is the simple thing to do. But 
teams also just kind of ignore him in the corner. And that's where you know where you are as a shooter when teams are willing to leave you in the easiest spot to knock down spot up looks. So the fact that Miami is kind of varying where they have him makes defenses think a little bit more because you know he's not going to bring it as a shooter. He's not really going to bring it as a finisher either. But just putting him in a more threatening area of the floor and allowing him to make quick decisions there, it makes things run a little bit more smoothly. Um, very quietly, him with the handoffs, especially in transition, they haven't really had the same juice as in years past either. So I think it's even more important that they found a way to make him useful in the half court. He's shooting 33% from three this season, which is exactly his career. 0.333, and his career average is 0.333. So we are getting the most Andre Iguodala version of Andre Iguodala. Uh, he's been fun. I love him. I, I I think he's I think he's been better than last year, just unequivocally. Um, and there's a lot. I, I'm I'm so excited. He's great. I think the coaching staff's been been awesome. You know, I think they had a rough kind of go at it, but I think that they've really. I think Spo sometimes by people who maybe don't understand the nuances of what they're doing. And that's not to talk down to anybody. I know it's it, it can be tough, but. You know, they're trying stuff. And I think that they, the coaching staff has really adjusted a lot of what they've done this season. And they've really changed stuff from it be the handoffs to where they park Andre to kind of the lineup variations to get more defense. They've tried different things. Um, you know, Precious out of the rotation got some minutes yesterday. I thought looked okay. Worst hand since Joel Anthony. Uh, I hope he figures it out because I like him and I, I they 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 need him to be good next season so that they can really get stuff and if they can buy some minutes with him that's really great. Um, Nikaias, do you have any articles you want to plug uh, before we get out of here? Uh, I will have an article up tomorrow. Um, I will have my weekly piece on um, Roman the baseline. That's going to be dropping Wednesday and I will have something else on Friday. That's my writing schedule now. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday drops. <laughs> Um, unless life happens, but, uh, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Um, check out the latest episode of the Dunker spot. If you haven't already, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast, uh, check me and Steve Jones Jr. Out. We're having fun and we're talking hoops. Can't ask for much better than that. So I love when we were talking about Andre Marco and chat says, I don't want to hear Nikaias compliment an old guy. <laughs> I don't know if I like this narrative. I'm going to be honest. I, this is, you know, what's funny is that we like the same washed bigs because you and I were in on Mark Gasol, right? But we're like out on everybody else, which I don't I don't know what's going on there. Is that just us being basketball hipsters? Uh, partly, but like Mark Gasol is good. I think so, too. But like everyone's like, you can't like Mark. You, like you can't not want LaMarcus Soldiers and want Marcus Gasol. And I was like, I feel like I can. But like, I was like, maybe I don't have some self-awareness. I don't know. What kills me about conversations about like guys like Marcus Gasol, uh, Gorgie Chain to a lesser extent. And I'll be quick since we're about to. Oh, Gorgie was such a basketball hipster. Like you and I were listening. It's so odd to hear the conversations about like, hey, man, nobody wants to hear about these fancy numbers. It's all about the eye test. And then when you say someone like Mark Gasol is good, it's, well, he only averages five points. What do you mean? <laughs> and it's just like, what do you what do y'all actually want? In terms he of lost his minutes to Andre Drummond. That's a bad look, though. I mean, when you're losing your minutes to Andre Drummond, I, I, there are legitimate politics, questions. Man, that's politics. That, that's politics. He, uh, <laughs> if the Lakers are smart, they would they would just play mark thank you <laughs> so you know how nice would how nice would mark be here as a backup big man how nice would it have been to face andre drummond on the lakers last year <laughs> oh my god you imagine Did andre you drummond imagine? guarding a fucking dribble handoff come on i've seen it it looks bad it's yeah. not good 
He's uh, listen. He's not good. I'm willing. The guy was very polite on the timeline, which I was disappointed in you when you said, "Oh, yeah, this is okay by Andre Drummond." I was like, "Listen, which side are you on here? <laughs> you team no wash bigs or not? Okay, pick side." Man. Like he, it was he played Milwaukee. Like it's fine. Like they were supposed to lose. But it is what it is. Like I, I, I've made my concerns about Andre Drummond on both ends of the floor very clear. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, on the timeline, in an article, on the podcast, like well documented. Very well documented. Uh, Frankie, you want to plug? Uh, I know you. I know what you want to plug on the way out. Oh yes, yeah. you better not give me a hard out, you fucking. T- I'm not. I'm gonna let you All do right. it. Hey guys, check out.